Shut up and sit down. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. This is the Finals Game 2 edition. We are joined, Mike Prada and I, I should say, are joined uh, by a a guy who's called in before, kind of helped preview some of the NBA playoffs with us. Uh, We talked a little bit about, I believe, back in the day, Oklahoma City and Golden State. Uh, But now here we are in the finals, just having seen Game 2, and uh, Zito Madu is joining us. I believe he is in Philadelphia. Last time he was in Detroit. Zito, how are you, bud? I'm all right. I'm surviving. <laughs> late night? Uh, always late nights. <laughs> well, it was a late night for the Cavaliers as well. <laughs> yeah, or a quick night, depending on how you look at it. But we can we can dive right into this, guys. Last Actually, night- wait. It wasn't even really a late night because there was an hour earlier. and yeah, My analogy really failed there. i got to work on my segues. It was like an early evening. It was like a nice early evening for like an older couple who would have like a dinner at 5.30. That's what that was last night for, for the Cavs. Um, and we should get right into it. They lost by 33 to Golden State last night. Uh, one of the least competitive finals games... I've ever watched, if not the least competitive finals game I've ever watched. And it feels like there's this lightning rod at the top. And there always is that same lightning rod. His name's LeBron James. Um, I, I guess I saw this coming, Mike. I predicted the Warriors in five in a much less competitive series. Um, That's a I don't, hell of a humble brag right there. Uh, I guess I saw this coming. I mean, maybe not in this particular fashion. But Zito, I'll throw it to you first. That lightning rod we just talked about, LeBron, is he to blame right now for this 0-2 hole that they're in and and falling significantly short in both games thus far? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. If you're like, if you look at it from the perspective that, you know, he practically built the team himself and he handpicked who was going to play on a team or whatnot, you mm-hmm. can say that. But like, I don't know, the first game he played well, the second game he had, what was it, eight turnovers or something like that? Seven last night, yeah. Yeah, but he's in a predicament right now where I don't think there's, like, even in the offseason, there was any team he could have put together that would have stood a chance against this uh, Golden State Warriors team. And now, even during these finals, the only person who's actually, like, even with his turnovers, the only person who's playing relatively good in any fashion is still him. Mm -hmm. You saw Kyrie had, what was it, 10 points on, like, Whatever shooting, it was just horrible. And then yeah. Kevin, yep. Kevin Love had five points before he went out. So, and J.R. Smith had five points. Like, regardless of whatever he does, even if he would have, like, picked Wiggins and left Kevin Love, this is still the Golden State Warriors that went 73-9. and nine. There's just, mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's like, it's an impossible task. He could have put Jesus on that court and Steph is taking 40-footers over him. <laughs> Ray, Ray Allen's not coming out of retirement anytime exactly. soon. Exactly. Ray Allen is not walking through that door. <laughs> I mean, look, I, just off the top of my mind, I can't remember uh, Richard Jefferson playing as many minutes as he did last night in any regular season game. It feels like Ty Lue is, is grasping uh, for straws right now. Uh, in the middle of the NBA Finals. Obviously, Love's injury plays into this a little bit, but Prada, is there nothing that they can do right now with these supporting pieces as is the, the players that LeBron picked to be around him to beat this specific team? Let's keep in mind, they lost to this team last year. They knew who the team they would have to dethrone would be. So to come up 
two games short already and look like they're not even in the same ballpark. Is there something we're missing right now from an X's nose standpoint that Cleveland needs to be doing, Prada? Sure. I mean, but I mean, I don't know if it's going to cause them to win the series. I, I, I agree that like there's nothing LeBron can do to, to win the series, you know, coming into this, you know, this finals, like, like Zito was saying, like there's nothing like all the problems that this Cavs team has are magnified just because of who they're playing and the fact that they have 700 guys that they can throw at LeBron and all that. Now that's different than saying that like LeBron should get a pass here because he's sort of the Lord of the idiots. You know, he's the only one playing well, like separating out like how Kyrie is playing, how much, how little love gave them before the, the, he went out, you know, all the other stuff. I mean, the reason this is, I mean, the Cavs scored 77 points last night. 77 points. And this is a team that dominated everybody it faced coming into this series offensively. This was a by far the best offense in the playoffs. And even better than the Warriors. And the reason it's not working right now is that the Warriors can don't have to hard double LeBron at all because he can't score over them. You know, LeBron in his last, like, eight or nine or ten games, I think, against the Cavs, we go back to – including last year's finals and including the regular season, he has more shots than points against them. <laughs> uh, I mean, we can no longer say that he has no supporting cast anymore. Maybe it's not the enough of a supporting cast, but he has he should, this is he has the talent that he has again handpicked around him. The because LeBron can't score on the Warriors one-on-one anymore in an efficient manner. The Warriors don't have to hard double him. They can sort of do this thing where they stay in front of him and then bring late help. I mean, they're doing this not only with Andre Iguodala, but Clay Thompson. He can't score for Clay Thompson inside. He can't score for Sean Livingston. And when he can't do that, there's no reason to ever leave the shooters and or leave them far enough, and they can't get off. It all sort of circles back to LeBron's decline and inability to score one-on-one. And so for that... I think he deserves blame, and I think sometimes we are, we have overcorrected a little bit here because LeBron got so so much bad criticism, so much unfair character criticism over the years, and there's a reflexive sensitivity to saying, "Well, this is sort of LeBron is failing in some capacity." You know, this is not a. I'm not saying that LeBron is like a choker or anything like terrible for his character, but if he can't score on Clay Thompson, the Warriors have. The Cavs aren't winning this series, and that's also fundamentally will not alter the Warriors' scheme. So, therefore, nobody else gets off. It all sort of comes back to him. So it's almost like nothing has changed, and LeBron is still sort of the uh, the inflection point of this series, as he is in almost any other series. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, and the fact that he can't score on Clay Thompson is a reflection of him. And Clay, Clay's a great defender. Yeah, I mean, but okay, he, Clay is a great defender. Yeah. Clay's a great defender, but like it, if if Clay Thompson is stopping LeBron from scoring from seven feet away, I mean the the, the Cavs the Warriors have to be doing backflips about that. And the Cavs the Cavs' path to winning this series did not involve Clay Thompson stopping LeBron from seven feet away. All right. Well, then then what's what's uh, Zito? What is the path back into this series? Obviously, going home is going to be a huge help. Zilla wrote about this t- today on SB Nation about you know one of the the key 
points he made was, look, all these guys, these these bench players, call it uh, Fry and Della Vadova, uh, even you know, Shumpert, Smith, guys like that, the important role players on Cleveland, will play better at home. They have all playoff long and all season long. And this just happens. We know how those secondary guys play on the road versus home. Zito, what, what are you looking for, though, from LeBron specifically and then Cleveland here, man? Because I know that you're a little bit different in your thoughts than Prada. Uh, well, I think... I think Prater is, is right on that point where LeBron has to play better and he can't let somebody like Clay Thompson stop him. But I don't like honestly, I don't I don't see a way that they could get back into the game because Steph and Clay haven't even played well and they're mm-hmm. still getting blown out. So if they if let's say Cleveland plays to the best of their abilities and then somehow Steph and Clay comes out to match that. Especially with like how deep Warriors bench is, it's, it's going to be another blowout. Except this time, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are going to have more than seventeen and nineteen points. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I like. I want to say that I want LeBron to go back to what he was doing last year in the finals, where he was he he kind of took it upon himself to just go like supernova LeBron James and was it like thirty five points a game or something like that. And That's the just, one I want too. That's the LeBron that I've been asking. Okay, but, but but wait a minute. That's what he's doing though. It's not working. It, it's doing the exact same strategy. He's backing him in, like trying to sort of look for the double team and then trying to finish over them. I mean, LeBron, for all the points he scored, had a Iversonian true shooting percentage in that series. He was inefficient, and that you know then it was blamed on like okay, nobody else they had to worry about, so they could cheat an extra step over in the paint, like blah blah blah. He's doing the exact same thing, and he's the one that is not scoring. Like, yeah, he's he's shooting poorly. He's shooting. He's taking more. It's not just him, though. Like, agreed, agreed. Kyrie's not score. Kyrie is horrible. Like, he's I, taking so many shots. Kyrie was five of fourteen well, last night. I guess it was it was one play that he had. I don't know. I think it was against Livingston where he he went to drive, and there was like two defenders in there, but Livingston was the main defender, and Livingston just had his hand up, didn't jump or anything, and Kyrie just like went into his body and didn't even jump or go to finish and just lost the ball. I was like, what, are you, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's exactly what LeBron was doing, too. Yeah, I know. I mean, LeBron, LeBron's like dribbling it off his foot. I mean, I think, I think you're right that Kyrie Irving played pretty terribly. I mean, there's no, there's no question about that. It's sort of like the same sort of strategy that they're using for LeBron, they're using for Kyrie. They're saying, okay, you can have all the 18-foot pull-ups, and if you want to attack us coming downhill, like, we'll survive. Like, that's you're not wrong. It's just it's just a little weird that we uh, that a lot of people are, like, pointing the finger at him before we say, well, wait a minute, the guy who's supposed to be the uh, force of nature in this series is 7 for 17 with 7 turnovers. But that's that's the whole thing, though, Mike, as I see it, is that when he was in Miami winning a couple championships, he knew if he had a game like this, it didn't mean the team lost. And I think LeBron's right back to where he was mentally five, six years ago, maybe beginning of Miami, end of Cleveland, first time around, where he kind of felt like, well, if I have a bad game, that's it. This, this, it's that cut and dry yeah, because there's no one else picking him up. To, he's not allowed to falter at all. Like yes. Steph and Clay can falter. Like the first game, they were bad. The mm-hmm. second game, they were a bit better, and the team still won. If LeBron has a seven for seventeen game, they're getting blown out. If, That's right. If he has the game in the first game where he was a bit better, they're still getting blown out. He has to be like, even with all the help that he has around him now, he still has to be supernova, and that was what was supposed to be fixed this year. That's right. I 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, he it is a little unfair in some ways. Uh, I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's supposed to have more help. He's not getting it from Kyrie. He's not getting it from anyone else. But I, I'm just saying that, first of all, I think that while Steph and Clay have not exactly lit the scoreboard on fire, like they're doing other things. That's true. They're, they're defending. They're being decoys. They're running the motion that they run. And, like, Steph was really good last night. He just had foul trouble. But in, when he was playing, he was – he was elite. It was it, it couldn't stop him. I mean, a large part because Kyrie's defense was bad, but yeah. like this is sort of what you we we knew this was what Kyrie Irving was. I and mean, Kevin Love, man, and Kevin Love. We talked about this pre-series. They abused Love before he got hurt last night. They had him on that little island with the pick and roll. Um, Mike, you would I think you tweeted about this in some capacity, but they they were starting to abuse Love, and it might not be just transition just a slight bit here. Love did get hit in the back of the head last night. He is under the NBA uh, concussion protocol currently. Is that the worst thing in the world, though, it's for Cleveland? Not. No, it's not. I mean, I think that's that's. It may not be. I mean, but of course, it's not like it's not like the Cavs have this elite lockdown defender to replace him with. I mean, it's, no. Like so, I I agree, but I just think that it all circles back to if LeBron in the East playoffs, LeBron could force doubles. And that's how they got all this ball movement. And like, so we had a great piece by Yaron Weitzman on the site today. It was talking about, oh, the Cavs have abandoned what they've done. And there are some stats in there about how, like, Kyrie and LeBron are driving the same amount of times they are driving in the East. But, like, Kyrie's not passing as much because there's not, again, guys aren't as open. And LeBron's passes are not resulting in assists as much because, again, guys are not open. And why are guys not open? Because the fact that LeBron coming. Ahead and head of steam at them is is not scary to them to collapse and that you know I don't know if like it's a, it might just be that LeBron is just not is is older than he used to be and he's just not the player he used to be I mean that's... he was pretty good last series though and I I find it I find it troubling that and you guys can tell me if you think I'm right or wrong here but. I find it troubling that Cleveland could look a certain way, play a specific type of basketball that gets them to this point. Um, and not, I'm not going to say they've abandoned it. And like, like you said, things aren't as open. The time they had before has evaporated in order to make plays, decision-making um, time, et cetera. But they look, and this is one of the things that uh, in the lull of a blowout that uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were able to kind of talk about last night, but they looked like a defeated team. They weren't body language or, or the way they were communicating with each other, um, exuding a lot of confidence that, you know, we could turn this thing around. It's difficult when you're losing by 30 on the road uh, in the middle of a game. But, but Mark Jackson very much questioned the character of this team, the composition of their, you know, their fortitude uh, mentally and, and then also just as a team in general. Um, is that something you guys are now worrying about as this series goes on, that, that they are a beaten down team and that they can't even take a lead? from a guy like LeBron to lead them into a closer series now? Or is this just they were getting killed, they were on the road, all the bad things that could possibly happen were happening at the same time, and really all we should look at is the home team won two games, and that's how this is supposed to play out. Prater, uh, you, or Zito, go ahead, man. Well, uh, in the first game, I think the first game was like a big, like, a big, had a scene that, like, was, like, really – pivotal to that because I think that's when they took the lead in the third quarter and the Warriors went into one of their, you know, standard spurts where they score like an absurd amount of points. And like one thing I always wanted to like write about was about how Oracle psychologically defeats teams when they play the Warriors is that when the Warriors start their run, you know, Oracle gets like really, really loud and gets right behind them. It could just be a regular three to take the lead. But then like, 
It's, it's like they they goad you into try to answer with a three. Like LeBron did a last game where I think Klay Thompson hit a three and LeBron walks up and shoots a three and air balls. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, you can't like the Oracle goads you into that because you feel like you have to answer them. And that's mm-hmm. not the way you play them. It's like they're gonna go on those standard runs. You just keep chipping back, chipping away at it because they'll hopefully eventually miss. I don't know, like <laughs> with the way the series is going, they might just never miss. But you have to have the hope that they're, you know, they can't just walk up and shoot like 23s all game. But so like we always get the instances where they try to answer it and they mess up and they give the Warriors the ball back and the Warriors keep scoring and scoring and scoring to the game's out of hand. But even last night you saw where Cleveland was like actually like physically defeated and it kept like resulting into like backdoor cuts or easy layups Mm -hmm. because everybody turns off and they're just like they don't even like they're jogging back to defense and transition defense or they're just not even looking at their man anymore and then you know Oh, was Draymond Green or Iguodala will make a a pass right into the paint, and you see a Warriors player is just like wide open, and it's like, how did this guy even get open to begin with? But oh, it was a, it was a clinic, yeah, man, a clinic. Yeah, that's what. But that's what happens when you're like, you're you don't know what's wrong. It's like yep. frustration where you feel like the circumstances are so out of your hand. Like you're true, you try your hardest, and they score a three. You try yeah. your hardest, they score a three, and at that point, you just throw your hands up. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do anymore? And then they just score five, 500 more points in this. And that's what, that's what I think Mark Jackson was alluding to, though. I think that less than, like, hustle and diving on the floor, rebounding, even turnovers and stuff like that, I think he was alluding to just the amount of layups. I mean, it yeah. felt like the entire second half, Leandro Barbosa was making a layup. Yeah, and the worst part is that Steph was on the bench. Yeah, they broke oh, it open. And, and I mean, it wasn't too. Having and, a great time there. <laughs> going, uh, what is he like? What do he look like? He died after Draymond Green hit that three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Draymond's crossover. Was a one dribble pull up three. It was just insane. That's just that's disrespectful. You have to hit Draymond in the chest after that. <laughs> I'm happy we brought up brought up Draymond. He was amazing last night. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, we we have we are making the mistake a little bit of not crediting the Warriors for this airtight scheme and this. I mean, it's just amazing to me that every time the Cavs get in the lane, they just and I a lot of people say, "Oh, the refs are not calling it." Like, no, you watch these plays. The Warriors are not. Are the Cavs are initiating the contact? The Warriors are staying disciplined and. It, it's like one of those things where you like they drive they're driving so much that your brain thinks it should be a foul, but it's not. Like the collectively, they're able to seal off the paint. They're, you know, as much as it's a shortcoming for LeBron in some ways. Like it is amazing that Clay Thompson is staying square on these plays. I mean, LeBron is chest to chesting with him and Iguodala, and he's the one that's recoiling. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, and I think the other thing, you know, with the character question. I mean, I think. Uh, what a lot of people have been wondering throughout this playoff run, both in and out of the league, is just what happens when Cleveland faces real adversity at some point. And this is the character question that Mark Jackson's thrown out there. I, I obviously we're not around the Cavs; we don't know what there really is really going on with them. Uh, but I think I think this has always been a bit of the concern with them: is that what happens when, for lack of a better term, they get punched in the mouth and they get a situation that is dire, a loud Oracle arena, absurd Draymond Green shooting, and do they stay together? And I, I, I think that there was just an incredible amount of frustration from the team, both because they're, whatever they were trying to do on offense wasn't working, 
because I think they did try some different things, but just they're like kind of the the problem is just constant. Like they can't score one on one, and their best one on one players can't score one on one, and so that's just like a constant problem, no matter what they do. And then you combine with just all the Warriors moving and the stress they put on you, the you can tell that there it does reveal perhaps a lack of togetherness that has been hidden because they've never had this problem. So I don't think it was out of line to suggest this by, by the, by the telecast. I mean, they lost by 33 points and they're getting destroyed by a Steph Curry list team. I think that's sort of the thing that everybody has been waiting to see, like what happens when they really face like true adversity and not just like two, two against Toronto. Well, I know Mike, you had called for more uh, fry this game. He, he got four minutes um, total. Yeah, he, got beat, he got beat by a backdoor cut. I think that was enough. Yep, that was it. <laughs> you're right. No, you're absolutely right. He did. He got beat by a backdoor cut, came out, and that was the end of his stint in the game. Um, I So I guess my as I watch this play out, it feels like Golden State has been – I want to use some hinky terminology here because it fits. Oh, great. Because it fits. What made the Golden State-Oklahoma City series was so amazing was one team was zigging, the other was zagging, and it created this – fusion of basketball right here you have golden state continuing to do their zigging and and uh, cleveland predicted predictably zigging as well and doing exactly what they they wanted is there something to be said for the fact that cleveland was knocking down 25 threes a game coming to this and then last night they were five of 23 from three and that potentially some of that everyone's a three-point shooter were the new golden state warriors of the east was a little bit of fool's gold and now they're that recoil effect to use a term you just used is actually fully happening here in the NBA Finals to just not that good of a three-point shooting team? Or is that just a home-and-home thing and the Hubie Brown corollary is going to be strong next game? Well, I think... I don't... Th- I, I just think there's no no other team like the Golden State Warriors. Like, mm. you can hit those shots against, I guess, like the Toronto Raptors or the Detroit Pistons who don't switch or who don't have the same length and, like, super small ball that Golden State has. But, I mean, when you're in Golden State and Kevin Love gets the ball in the three, he has somebody right in front of him. Yep. And, you know, you saw several times where Love had a pump fake. I think it was one where he pump fake uh, Draymond Green and got open. But uh, as soon as he went up to shoot, Draymond's Green was right back in his face. Yep. And, like, <laughs> there's you just don't get that type of space that you got against the Raptors or things like that. This is this is real adversity. This is the greatest team in basketball. And not just, like, offensively, but, you know, like, defensively as well. So, I mean, it's okay. It's like playing, playing, a, playing a, a game of 2K on, like, rookie mode and then all <laughs> of a sudden get into a Hall of Fame. Like, you can't, you can't do those same things anymore. And... And now it's frustrating them because they they also want to play fast, but then you're playing fast against the fast team in the NBA. Right. And the faster that you play, the more chances they get to break you because you're going to miss. And they, apparently they don't miss. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you in that, the, like, should they have played fast? Should they play slow? Discussion is sort of uh, like a red herring. It's you're kind of – they're losing because they're not as good a team. And, I, like, stylistically, I don't think – if they slowed it down and tried to grind out like last finals, like I don't think it's going to be any better. I, I think there's the central problem is that again, it goes back to, you know, if LeBron is making shots around the basket and really wearing him down, I think it, it forces golden state to think about a new strategy, but until he does that, they just, the, the difference is staggering. And the other thing I want to touch on is we, we talked about fry. We talked about it last time. Like, 
the reason Friday it's a it's a domino effect that Friday doesn't play, right? Because you're also now you also have to hide LeBron on defense. So for example, in the second quarter, they originally did put uh, Love on Iguodala, and Iguodala ran a pick and roll and, and roasted Love, forced him to switch. Then they threw Love right back on Draymond Green, and then that just that's just like exacerbating the problem. Like <laughs> then you threw LeBron on Harrison Barnes, and now you're hiding LeBron, like. It's it's unfair and to some degree, but like that's their only chance, and I I think that's why Fry doesn't play. And I again like the, the they just need LeBron to be what Durant was last series defensively, and clearly he's not up for the challenge miles wise, whatever. Like I mean, if and if he's not up for the challenge, now you suddenly have just too many bad defensive players on the floor in key spots. It's just it's impossible as these teams are, are put together and I hope, I hope things change emotionally in game three, but from a physical standpoint, Cleveland doesn't make golden state uncomfortable at all. And Kevin Durant and, and Westbrook made them uncomfortable as uncomfortable as they possibly could. And if you're going to let a bunch of great shooters, smart decision makers, a great full team have time, make the right decisions, be able to make the right coaching in game. I mean, look, every lineup Kerr is putting together right now is working pretty well. He had the Barbosa Livingston Curry, Bogut uh, Barnes lineup in at one point in the third quarter or late or early fourth quarter last night. And I'm thinking, I'm sure he's playing lineups together right now that may have played together a few times this season and they're all working. His second unit lineup with uh, Draymond at center to counter the yes. you know, LeBron, the Cavs bench lineup of death is one I think he played like three minutes in the regular season. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, you were saying something. Yeah, I was just saying, he's just showing off now. He's like he's just showing off like what he can do and how great his team is. He's just like throwing darts on the board, like watch watch me put down this zombie lineup and watch how it still works because we're so much better than now. We need a good nickname for the Livingston Igudala you know, partnership because I think it's so fun when they come in together. They have this uh, I don't know they they do big to big passing as two guards who are both big and I, I love that. Um, the knees and hands. What's that? The knees and hands. <laughs> I know that's not bad. I was just gonna say they put the the Cavs are up in arms over what to do with, with them. <laughs> no. you know, it's, it's it's almost like unfair. I keep saying this every time I watch the game with people. I was like, it's really unfair that the Warriors have Sean Livingston because he's six nine and he's like, regardless of how you defend him, he just especially when when smaller guards are defending him, he just takes those uh, turnaround jumpers where he stays in the air for, like, a few seconds. Yep. And he's he, he's in the air longer than you are, so you land and he's, like, releasing his shot. Yeah, he, like, he had a great and one with that last night from, like, the uh, foul line extended, which is, like, he, he got fouled early on in this shooting motion, but because he shoots from so high up and just flicks his fingers, exactly. it, it didn't affect his shot at all. It's so it's unfair. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's more unfair defensively where – you can the Cavs had this one play where they ran LeBron in the elbow. They this is an after timeout play, and they run this great flare screen. Richard Jefferson flares for Kevin Love's man to get Love an open corner three, and it's like open against almost any other team. But like Livingston can close out from the paint with his arms up and make it a very difficult shot, and then he can switch onto LeBron. And obviously, that's not been a problem for the Cavs for the Warriors either just the defensive versatility is off the charts and I I think like it's important to remember for me that like as much as I'm saying that like this is ultimately LeBron's shortcoming and that it's sort of all roads lead back to his inability to score one-on-one he's going against some unbelievable defensive players and it shouldn't 
it shouldn't be a larger point about LeBron's state stats in the game beyond this series. Like, 28 other teams don't have the Warriors personnel to do this. It's just that in this one matchup, in this context of this series, I think it's worth – I think we should be critiquing the way that he is unable to score in these situations, and that is – that is ultimately a reason. Like we don't have to blame. We don't have to do like the kind of hot take. Like this says something about LeBron's legacy or his status in the game. It's just for this series. It's not enough, and that is reflection on him. Yeah, and basketball is a great sport because the best teams win. I mean, I I love plenty of sports where the best teams don't win. I mean, I, I watch baseball. I still watch hockey. I'm fully aware that the the hot goalie or the best starting pitcher or the the elite bullpen, whatever it may be, can win a championship in other sports. But in basketball, ultimately, when it boils down, the best team usually wins. And I think you hit it on the head there. This could be everything and nothing to do with LeBron. Um, But ultimately, the Warriors standing up there, potentially on the the precipice of winning a second consecutive championship after the greatest regular season ever, sort of feels like, it does fall under the umbrella of they are great, and this just happens to be a team they're playing in the finals, who, by the way, has lost seven straight games to them now, too. So that that whole mental uh, battle of, like, how do we beat them? How do we visualize beating them? All those things that go into the psyche of an athlete probably are playing uh, Absolutely. On, on their minds right now. So, Zito, what would your ha- Game 3 speech be if you're Ty Lue? Like, how do you get – what do you say to these guys to try to snap them out of this funk? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm – a, I'm very like fatalistic. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you're you're a player. Uh, you're so- you play soccer very competitively. For example, yeah. we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about soccer later on, just to close this off. But but you're a player, and like you're in a tough situation against an opponent that has has your number. Like what what would your coach say to inspire you? Well, they have he has to tell them to loosen up because they're they're obviously frustrated, and you know when you get frustrated, you start thinking too much about what you're going to do, you start feeling anxiety, especially, like, on defense. You could see them, like, they're really anxious of, like, the Warriors' movement. But they have to, like, against Detroit and against the Raptors, they were having fun. And I know it's, like, hard to have fun when you're down 0-2 and you're getting blown out, but that's a big part of it. Like, every sports psychologist I've always, like, worked with always tells you, like, with athletes, they play better when they're, like, not so serious about what they're doing. It's when you Mm -hmm. concentrate too hard on it that you start, like, making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yep. LeBron, they need to just, like, realize that they're, you know, they're very good players. It's, it's not like they're bad. They're just facing a really, really great team. And the best way to get back to being at your top or at your top level is to, like, enjoy what you're doing. So LeBron has to, like, you know, like, you, you could watch him and he's just he's just depressed or, like, it was. I've tweeted out in a Snapchat where... He's on he's on a on the bench and he just had his head in his hands and whatnot. And when he comes out to play, he plays like a guy who knows that they're gonna lose. Like he doesn't even drive with the same ferocity or like he doesn't defend. Like Kyrie does the same thing. He's afraid to drive these days. But you know who you are and you just need to play like how you know how to play. Because otherwise, the more you think about it, the more frustrated you get, the more they're just gonna take advantage of you. It's like, uh, what did my coach say when I was in Turkey? He said it's like uh, the chicken and, fo- and the fox. And, like, the player is the chicken and the defenders are the fox. And, you know, when the chicken is like, this is a terrible analogy, by the way, because I hate it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm full on on this. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm like, very curious about this now. When the chicken is grazing, and, you know, like, if it's grazing in the wild, it, like, 
takes a few bites and it looks up all the time and it turns his head to see if there's a, any predators nearby and it eats again and it turns his head or whatever. And he's saying that you, there's a reason you have to constantly do that is because the minute that it, t- it puts his head down and like starts eating and stop wor- like stops paying attention to the surroundings is when the fox strikes. So you always have to constantly be on guard and things like that. But that's what they need to be because the minute that they take their eyes off the Warriors, the Warriors are going to score 10 points in like two seconds. So they need to they need to like get back to playing their same defense. I mean, you have to accept that the Warriors are just going to go on runs. That's just something you have to live with is that Steph Curry is going to make a 40-foot jumper. Klay Thompson is going to hit three in a row. But once you can deal with those circumstances that you can't control, then you control the ones that you can, which is how you play. But, Zero, and, I think, I think you're I, nailing it, though, man. I, I don't think they do well with that, though. The same way that, like, when a run was made at Oklahoma City, they were like, great, it's our turn to make that run. P- yeah. punch, punching and counterpunching. I think you're I, right. I, I think Cleveland's getting punched yeah. and being like, ow, that hurt. Yeah. yeah, just ignore it. Just, like... It's gonna happen. Is it's like getting your car, you know, your car. You having car problems. You can't just like get mad every time your car goes down. Just prepare for it. like, hey, the car is gonna be messed up. It's just a yeah. part of life, and then you just deal with it. And, and I think tactically, the way that translates, and you can we can argue whether the chicken or the egg comes first in this example is what no more like catching and surveying. They gotta make very quick decisions. And LeBron's gotta drive not being worried, not trying to survey where the defense is coming from. He's just gotta attack. And Kyrie has just gotta attack. And they just they the shooters have to fire quickly. I mean you think about what the Spurs did in the to LeBron's team a few years ago. They just they played totally free. They moved it fast. They made immediate decisions. They just have to not be afraid of sort of the consequences of whatever that immediate decision is, I would say. And I think LeBron especially. And, I, and, and like, you're right. I think that's just not necessarily their character, which is – but they have shown that they can do that before. I just don't know if they can do it against this defense. Yeah, but I think, I think like, going 2-2 with Toronto was, like, a mental lapse on their part that they never felt scared. It was like, all right, now we need to win two more games, and we might have to, we have to win one on the road. That's fine. But it never felt like um, like this, you know, overwhelming sense of urgency that was upon them. But like did now, LeBron even say that he wasn't. He did. Been in he, real adverse situations. That's right. Not this. He, you're exactly right. He did. He went out of his way to say this isn't real yet. <laughs> like you know, that's which is fine, I guess. But then you have to also be able to say, you know, call it like it is and say when it is real. Which is right now, it's very real. He's getting nothing from his teammates. He probably just lost, potentially lost Kevin Love for next game. Um, you know, it's. Not like Kevin Love is, is a juggernaut out there, but if you're going to be mixing and matching guys who you don't trust for more than four minutes at a time or in a game like Fry, or if Jefferson's going to play 25 minutes again, Mozgov played 12 last night. I mean, granted, they were getting blown out, but you're probably going to see more Mozgov. I, I think you're going to have to see like different lineups now being tried out by Ty Lue and at the most inopportune time, which is game three of the NBA Finals. And that right there feels like a win uh, for, for, for the Warriors. Um I don't know. There's a lot to be dissected here. We've, you know, we're going game by game, Prada, and and obviously not a whole lot of change from game one to game two. In fact, the little things we called out in game one just got worse in game two yeah, for the Cavs. Absolutely. Um, and and obviously, I'm not sure what the the hype speech that Lou gives them is, or how LeBron gets into the you know the mugs of his teammates. But um, for the sake of the league, which was which was peaking. I mean, coming off of the Western Conference Finals, even just the feeling uh, in Air Canada Center, I mean, it meant a lot to the Raptors fans. You felt like this was going to be a huge NBA Finals, and we were just not 
quite there yet, but it takes that first road win to really kick off a series, I guess, as they say. I think we'd be remiss to, to not mention that Bogut, in very limited minutes last night, was really effective. Uh, I played like 15 minutes, but had five blocks and, and was very physically dominant in that first quarter. Yeah, well, he benefited from the fact that they, when Cavs players drove, they couldn't get all the way because the Warriors squared them up, and so then he's able to block the shots. So Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, but no, he played well. Yep, and then that's the thing, like a 15-minute stretch of Bogut last night where he gets to play you know, solid physical minutes, started off the game in one in one way, and then they end the game in another, or I guess the game was pretty much over in the middle of the third, uh, and by the end of the third quarter. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll continue to kind of go down the line on, on this series. Hopefully next game gives us a, a brand new set of talking points, because hopefully it's just a different outcome, whether that's a close game or a Cavs win. We are looking for this series to uh, to officially start, but something has officially started, and that's Copa America. Ah, uh, yes, let's vent about U.S. soccer. And I think all three of us can get on can get on the same page for this one. Um, U- United States kicked off the tournament, um, the host country here, the Centenero, the hundredth rendition of this Copa America. They started it with Colombia, one of the better teams in South America, with some rather high profile big club players on them. Um, none of them played particularly well, and Jaime Rodriguez got hurt. Um, but Colombia still handled United States two nothing, and I, I, both goals came from set pieces. One being a penalty kick, the other being a corner. But I look at this United States team. Zito, you are a soccer player, not just a fan like Mike and I. I look at this United States team as being completely unspectacular. One of the most average teams we've put together. Maybe the youth is the right movement, but this United States men's team probably, as I look at it, um, they could lose to Costa Rica and already be out of Copa America uh, tomorrow. What do you oh. think about that? Oh, well, that's very true. I actually predicted the score to the Colombian game. <laughs> when I was watching it in Philly, we had a big event in Bethlehem. Mm. Oh, and I went there, and I was talking to this dude who was wearing an Argentina messy shirt, whatever. <laughs> and he, th- he thought the United States was going to get something out of it. And I was like, no, I think I think this is going to be a 2 nil game. like Because the United States, for like they have... An unspectacular, quote-unquote, quote I guess if you're trying to be, like, optimistic, you call it solid. You know, solid <laughs> is one of the names you give, like, a team that's not really good at anything, but they're not really bad either. So, a solid team. But, you know, Columbia has playmakers. They have difference yeah. makers on their team. And if you have to, if, you, if you're just going to be at a stalemate, the difference makers are going to, you know, quote-unquote, make, make the difference. That's what they do. Yep. And... That's exactly what happened. It's like stalemate and then two nil. So they can definitely lose to Costa Rica, though. And <laughs> I can see the United States being a host country, being at the Copa America in the second game. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Now, I'll say two things. One is that, well, yes, I, I, I agree generally about the difference makers. I mean, Colombia got their two goals, what, on a set piece? Yeah, but let's not discredit the fact that the corner kick set piece was a was a wonderful volley. I mean, no, I agree. Like I'm just saying, band. I'm just saying it was like a set piece where a central where a center back scored, um, yeah. and then a penalty kick where our DeAndre Yedlin had his arms up, but stupidly, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like they had that moment of brilliance. But I actually think that that the 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 depressing thing about that loss was that there was no obvious like Jurgen played the wrong lineup scapegoat there. I mean, he put. Bradley won the number six role. He played, he brought on Pulisic and Nabby, maybe a little late, but he brought them on. You know, they, he set up with a fairly, you know, standard lineup. It wasn't, not too many complaints. They put Bedoya in the center. 
Yeah, but I hate that Bedoya Bradley. I think that is the root of the issue for United States. I think that those those two are such a mediocre to poor midfield. And I think at this point we've been we've been. Well, you haven't talked about Jones as well. Well, well, because we don't have to. Well, right? These guys are. That's the issue. Who would you replace them with? No, so that's the thing. They're, that's I'm not trying to say that I have the answer for them. I'm just saying like we've bought into the fact that Bradley is this type of world class player who like because he had a short stint with Roma before he was uh, uh, before he was uh, he lost his job in the middle there. Like he's a world class player like no 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 he's he's an MLS player and Bedoya's a league MX or MLS player and like he's playing in France he, he is now but the, I'm saying these the quality of our players aside from a few of the younger guys it's just not there and right you, that, you that's say what you want like ultimately this is their Colombia is sporting a team of guys who play for Real Madrid and uh you know AC Milan the guy who scored the goal at the back uh, for them and like there's a like higher Zabata. yeah Zabata he's a nasty player like Quadrado's a nasty player that's sort of what I was getting at, right? So there's no scapegoat, and so it just is that they aren't good enough. Yeah, that I agree with. I, I That's think sort it, of what I was getting at. Like they they played the best lineup they probably could have, and it it just isn't good enough. Um, but I think they will win tomorrow. I hope so. I, I, tomorrow's one of the bigger games they've had. It's you know not a cup qualifying game uh, in some time, but but ultimately because this momentum of USA soccer, like look, I hate the fact that they just ruled uh, that the court ruled that the you know women's team isn't going to make as much money. This isn't this isn't like women's tennis where they actually don't play as much as the men, but they still I probably should deserve to be paid equally in some capacity. But with the, with the women's team, like they can stand up there and say we're the good ones. Like I know it's compared to the other women in the world, but like we're the winners we're the brand that's winning and when this men's team comes up there and hosts a tournament in you know 10 cities around america and they're only there to play in three of the games two of which have meaning before they're out like that feels bitter to me um and then when they go out there and put a performance like the other night where you're right there probably aren't any glaring omissions from the lineup they made the subs that they had kind of hinted in the in the qualifying games leading up to it against bolivia right i mean they played i thought they played fine and they just were not good enough yeah because part of it is mike and and zito i'm sure you'd agree with this like everything in the offensive call it last 18 and in is terrible the touches the passing it's predictable and it doesn't even lead to this is where i come on they don't challenge other goalies how many shots on net did they have last game one Two? Well, they had what the free kick, the free right? kick from Dempsey. Yeah, they the, had that the was... header that could have gone in on the corner. Yes, the one that was saved. So there was those. It may have been two. It could have been two or three shots on that the the entire game. I don't know. I mean, look, Navas isn't playing for Costa Rica, right? So you'd want to pepper their third string goalie next game. Um, and then we should. They do get a chance to pepper their goalie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because the quality in that that offensive half is just is, is lacking. Um, you no, know, I hate Clint Dempsey. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out here. I hate Clint Dempsey with like a burning passion. <laughs> I mean, all right, he's old. Like he's not what he used to be. Like what? When he was what he used to be, I've always hated him. Yeah. He, he has like this. Like I can deal with play- players with attitude. I'm one of them. You know, my <laughs> some of my friends here are like really terrible. Like you know, short tempered players. But Clint Dempsey has like a very great and sort of attitude. Where yeah. he like mocks referees and he like he like picks on people smaller than him basically. <laughs> like so it's easy to like yell at the ref and make faces at the ref because the ref has like it's not who you're playing against. But you're getting you're like doing nothing against the defenders who you're supposed to be facing. Mm-hmm. Who you're supposed like it's he's like he's a bully. <laughs> yeah, I think he has that too. It sounds like this is a little like Zito doesn't like him because he's a little too much like Zito. <laughs> no, no, see, I'm a bully against defenders. 
Oh, okay. Today in practice, today in practice, because I haven't, I've, I've been like lackadaisical, and the coaches were making a comment on it. So we had a 15 minute game or scrimmage. And today in practice, and I was like, uh, one of our owners, whatever co owners was there, and his name is Brad. And he's talking about how I'm like very casual and loose in practice, and he doesn't like that. So I was like, Brad, all right, put me in the game right now. So I was playing striker. And every time I got the ball, I turned the defender. Like he would. He would try to go over me. He would try to push me. And I'm, like, laughing at him while I'm doing it because I kept telling him, like, there's just no defender in the world that's going to stop me from doing that turn. No so defender like, in the world. <laughs> no defender. No Diego defender. Godin put, can't stop Zito from making that turn. Diego Godin here. And I, 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 I 100% <laughs> Leo Fernand in his prime ain't stopping Zito from scoring. I always 100% believe that I'm going to turn that guy and get the chances <laughs> that I want. And I was telling her, and like Brad, the, the guy Brad, he's he kept saying, Zito, great job. Zito, nice. And I was like, Brad, don't compliment me now. Now you're just like saying all of this, but like I'm a bully against defenders because I don't think that they do anything. They're useless people to me. That, <laughs> that is true. You have a long-standing uh, uh, animosity towards defenders. I do because remember they're, that. They're just like cones. They're like <laughs> <laughs> you know. You remember that in uh, in Wedding Singer when he's taking the uh, limo test and he runs over a bunch of the cones and he's like, "Hey, those could have been people at our wedding." And he's like, "They were cones." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have a harder time scoring like with no defenders than with actual defenders because that gets me amped when I see them there because it's like, you know. Well. I can see the Dempsey vibe in this, uh, Fred. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's Zero it, it, it doesn't like Clint Dempsey because he's too much like him. Um, I have a whole theory about what the MLS does for coddling these players, and then how they act, how they play when they get against uh, you know Central and South American competition. Not, ah, not, you are Jurgen Klinsmann. But yes, I, I think that Jurgen has been right about that single thing more than any other thing uh, pertaining. Oh, yeah, to you this don't team. get better unless you play against better competition. Yeah. That's just an honest truth. Like, no, but what if yes. you're not playing? Well, no, no. I think you still get better in the in the in the practices at Borussia Dortmund than you do playing for the impact. Well, I, I think I think their defense of that is Yedlin, who seems to be a lot more composed now that he was in a relegation battle against yeah. the best. That's a I, yeah, that's a fair point. I I just like I'm just tired of Jurgen. Like I just like the the program is not where it should be, and I he's a terrible coach. <laughs> he's always been bad. I don't know why the U.S. picked him out of like all the available options. Right. Because he's always like you could have asked the Bayern players and they would have told you that he's not he's not a good coach. But yeah, right. well, like, U.S. But, players staying at home is not benefiting no. them. And like, I mean, yeah. psychologically too, not just playing. But yeah, it's you, a like, comfortability. Yes, thing. comfort, like, comfort, exactly. You're at home. You don't have to do much. You know, you don't have to like. It really improved that much to be a world class, quote unquote, as the Lexi Lalas would say, world class player. Where what he calls Michael Bradley, yeah. which is weird because Michael Bradley left Roma because their better players came in. So if he's world class, yeah. I don't know what that makes the rest of them. But yeah. yeah, so you know you're comfortable and you're you know you don't have to do a lot, but then you face players who actively try to get to the next level and players who. You know, yeah. who play like intense situations, and they're just running around you. Well, yeah, and you you get a guy like uh, you know Cardoza or or Quadrado. Like those players would all both be the best players in the MLS by leaps and bounds. And yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. Yeah, and that and that type of thing though, where like if you go against South American competition or European competition, the fact that you're never going to have one of the top 
eight players, seven players on the on the field, that's a huge disadvantage if you're also not a tactically strong team. And the United States is not a tactically strong team either. That goes back to Klinsman. So you, you can get away with that when you got Germany's team in 1996 or whatever. Like, you know, that's a different set of players. Yeah. Uh, I think they will – actually, this might be the worst of all worlds in the long run. Is I think they will beat Costa Rica. I think they'll get the result they need against Paraguay. They'll slip into the next round, and then Brazil will beat them like 4 nothing. Well, they look like I, crap in game one too against Ecuador. That's true, but like Ecuador has some players though. Like they weren't trying in that friendly. Like Ecuador has, has a really good team. Yeah, they're a top 15 team in the world too. If you go by the rankings, I forget they're what they're at. Number 12. I, 12 I don't know if they're the, the 12th best team in the world, but they, they, they're like no slouches. But like the Ecuador is a much better team than the U.S. is. Yeah. I would say. But so that's what I think is going to, because they would play Brazil, right? Assuming Brazil wins that group. Yeah. yeah. That's how it would work. Yeah, that's my that's what I think is going to happen, and it's going to be hailed as like quote unquote progress because they didn't lose in the first round, and that will be the worst part. I hate that crap. That's what I think is going to happen. Great game tonight, guys. Tonight is uh, Argentina Chile, which is a rematch of last year's final, which was an awesome Copa America final. These two teams hate each other. Obviously, they share a massive border, and uh, they have uh, plenty of incredible players. So, anyone listening, if you listen to this today, tonight, check out. Uh, Chile and Argentina. It should have a very chilly reception, Chile reception from the players. Yeah, and uh, hopefully no one uh, during the broadcast makes any puns about the name of the country because obviously that'd be too e- too easy for such a prestigious writer uh, or, or journalist. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I hope uh, nobody plays the wrong anthem too. Like, do, are they gonna wait? Do they have to like make up for? Uh, playing the Chilean anthem in the Uruguay game the other night by that? playing the Uruguayan anthem at the Chile game. They oh, sent an email yeah. like with an apology because I got because I have you know the whatever accreditation to the games and I wake up this morning there's an apology email about the anthem and I was like yeah I, I mean like you don't have to send an apology you made a horrible mistake but like. Yeah. Just kind of pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> there's, there's worse ones. They could have. There's worse ones they could have done. Like there's, there's plenty of plenty of civil wars that went on in South America. Or not civil wars. I should say land uh, land border wars like Bolivia and, and Paraguay, stuff like that for for right. decades. They're gonna play the English anthem during Argentina's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be not great. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, that's probably enough soccer talk. Enough soccer talk. We covered uh, game two. Always great to have uh, Zito Madu join us on uh, on the limited upside. Zito, thanks as always for taking time out from your your writing, your professional soccer career. It's it's always great to have you on, bud. Oh, anytime. Awesome, awesome, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, all this uh, this vitriol towards uh, USA soccer from from the three of us uh, motivates them to uh, to win tomorrow night against uh, Joe Campbell and uh, Arsenal's finest. There, yeah, you hear that, Clint Dempsey? <laughs> prove Zito wrong, yeah, please, <laughs> please, please. Prove us all wrong. Uh, continue to to make it to a knockout round and let people enjoy soccer because we didn't qualify for the Olympics either. Uh, whoops. Oh. So yeah, that's, that's the right. only tournament we got this summer. And a Euro Cup starts on the 10th, so that'll and be fun. Aren't we, aren't we kind of behind the eight ball in qualifying for the World Cup, too? Or is that not as big a deal anymore? We're in a better place now. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The uh, the bridge to, where is it next to uh, Russia? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, the bridge to Russia. It's called Alaska. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, cool. So find us. Uh, find oh, the limit upside. Uh, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, rate and review us, please. We love when when you guys rate and review us. That's that's ultimately really in, in important here. Uh, we'll be coming at you after Game Three of the NBA Finals, and uh, hopefully uh, there are more than just the four total games with which we are cruising to right now. Uh, as always, joined by Mike Prada again. Big thanks to Zito for joining us uh, on this NBA. Finals edition of the Limited Upside podcast. Uh, find us on uh, Twitter. Give us some uh, rating, uh, rate review. Give us some comments, questions, whatever you can. That's at uh, Limited underscore Upside. And uh, until next time, Limited Upside podcast. Yeah.